episode 8, we welcome to the show offensive coordinator and offensive line coach for Iowa Western Community College, Donnie Woods. Coach Woods shares his journey through the coaching ranks, culminating with national success and notoriety at the junior college level. Coach also introduces his offensive system and the drills, skills, and techniques he uses to make his offensive line and offense so successful. One of the best at the junior college level, Coach Woods' knowledge and coaching ability have helped build Iowa Western into a perennial national power and a model for a program building in the country. Coaches, we are continually humbled by the outpouring of support you've shown us throughout our journey here at Intentionally Grounded. In order to keep our program as best serving the coaches as possible, we would value your feedback. If you'd be so kind, please leave a feedback on one of our podcasting platforms, including iTunes or Stitcher, and let us know what you think. As always, you can find all of our podcasts along with our weekly blogs posted on Sundays at our website at igfootballcoach.com. Tell us a little bit about your background as a coach and what got you into, co- into the coaching profession. Well, I was pretty fortunate um, from a young age to have really, really good uh, offensive line coaches. Um, you know, I had um, Coach Mike Simmons, who's now the offensive line coach at University of Texas, El Paso, um, who, you know, was my head high school football coach. And I had Bob Henriquez, who um, was a state legislator uh, in the state of Florida, who was a really good offensive lineman um, growing up, and and he he played at uh, Princeton. And so from an early age high school, I had two great offensive line coaches. Um, I was fortunate enough to earn a scholarship to the University of Maryland and and, uh, played for Tom Bratton. And Tom Bratton's been uh, a few different places, and and um, he really kind of molded me into the coach that I that I was am today. And um, you know, so at that point, I thought those guys were the coolest guys in the world. Like my 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 three offensive line coaches that I grew up with, man, that you couldn't tell me that there anybody was anybody was cooler. Um, so early on, I kind of knew that I was going to be a coach. And so I got a shot right out of, right out of college, uh, to coach at a high school uh, called the Landon school in Bethesda, Maryland. Um, and that really gave me, uh, my competitive, uh, uh, my competitive edge and, 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 and that fulfilled it for me from, from my playing days. And so, you know, a lot of guys, they get done playing and, and they don't really know, you know, their entire life has been all been competitive. It's everything they've done is they've competed in. And, and I took a step back and, and was fortunate to land in the coaching gig. And that kind of filled that uh, void for me. And so uh, from that point on, I was kind of uh, addicted to the game. Coach, you mentioned your career about as a high school coach. That's where you started. Um, now you've kind of transitioned to the collegiate level, and you started off by being the offensive line coach here at Iowa Western, and now you're the offensive coordinator. Tell us a little bit about the transition. Um, you know, for me, um, always it was kind of uh, we've always been a kind of a heavy RPO system, and so our offense was really built around the run game, and so even when I was just the offensive line coach, I was really coordinating about 40 to 50% of our offense um, on game days and, and going through that. And so to me, it was an easier transition um, to learn the past game and the things that we wanted to do. Uh, I, I always, I always think it's more difficult for a, or a guy to who's the, you know, pass game coordinator, or the wide receivers coach to learn the run game. And, um, and so fortunate for me, I started as an offensive line coach and we've kind of built this system here at Iowa Western and had some 
high powered offenses. Um, and so I've been around that and learned a ton from coach uh, Scott Strohmeyer um, and, and who was his brother, Mike Strohmeyer, uh, who was the official OC when we first got in here. And so I learned a ton from them in the path game. Um, but really, you know, ultimately it was kind of an easy transition for me because from day one, uh, I was coordinating the run game and, and calling the run game on, on Saturdays. And coach, we had uh, Carson Pike, who obviously you're very familiar with. We had him on a few weeks ago. Um, and he, you guys, between the two of you, really laid a really strong foundation at Iowa Western. Um, you know, what has the biggest adjustment been like, you know, from just kind of being the run game coordinator and the online coach to now calling all the shots yourself as the offensive coordinator? I, I think from the standpoint of uh, uh, organization, you know, in the past, I had to worry about pressures and, and the run game stuff and really not get too involved in, um, you know, what we were doing from a pass game standpoint. And so when this kind of the, the second load uh, was put on, on me, it was more of, hey, you know, A, you know, what can our assistant coaches do that can assist me? And we have, uh, you know, I have two guys in, on the offensive line, two former players, Austin Stevens and Dallas Hinkhouse, who came back and could alleviate a little bit of that weight from me uh, and not lose a step in terms of our expectations of how we want to play up front. And then from Coach Strohmeyer being such a, you know, uh, quarterback guru and pass game guru and, and Mike Minicu who coached our wide receivers, those guys helped me come along uh, a long way and season one being an OC. And so, you know, I think it's just with us, it, the, the people around me um, have made it, easy i mean it it is i tell people i have one of the best jobs in the country no matter what level uh we're talking about in terms of what we have here at iowa western but ultimately it's the people that have been around me that has made my job uh really so easy you've mentioned uh, the success that you guys have had at iowa western you guys have won a national title and, and played in a bowl game in eight of the nine years the program has been in existence and as well as seven conference titles so with all that in mind what do you think has been the key to your success there um so i'm not you know I, i'm not naive to, to, to think that um it's all coaching we have really really great players here um the biggest thing at the junior college level um, that we see is guys, they come, they don't, their, their dream when growing up is not to play at Iowa Western. Their dream is to play at Minnesota or Iowa or Iowa state or, or Nebraska. Um, and so, you know, whatever that path that shifted at some point and led them here, my job as a coordinator, I think is to get those guys to play for Iowa Western, to play for the guys next to them. We are successful here because our guys play for each other and play for this program. Um, you'll see it across junior college landscape where guys show up at the two-year level just trying to get recruited, just trying to get back to, A, where they came from, or B, attain a level that they've never had an offer from. And so for us, from day one, I, I hardly talk about offensive football. I talk about playing for the guy next to them, buying and because this is ultimately the ultimate team game right like if we can't play for one another like why are we out there even playing and so we try to strip that down and break them down and mold them together to play as one and we you know and i use independence kansas as a um as a reference here but they had uh over last year i think over the course of maybe 
six months, they, they brought in a hundred and something players, you know, 60 of those guys had division one offers. Well, I can tell you right now that 60 of our guys didn't come from the division one level, nor did they have offers. And so uh, we weren't even close to that number this year, but we go down there and we play them. And we end up paying 70 points on them. And I'm not trying to bash them at all, but <laughs> so I point to my guys, my, my point to the guys were, look, these guys have over 60 guys who had played division one football. We maybe have 15 here. How does that work? Why, why did we go down there and, and play like we did and win like we did? And we go back to emphasizing that day one point of it's because you believe in the guy next to you, it's because you play for the program, and, and that's why we have success. And I think we work extremely hard here, and that's the second facet of, of it. We work extremely hard. And, um, you know, I think besides the X nodes, besides the players, those are the key components, the key ingredients of why we're so successful because we took time away from coaching up the X and the O's um, and said, hey, we're going to put more emphasis and focus on our guys um, to make sure that they're buying in um, to one another and, and playing for this program. That's great stuff, Coach. Um, to kind of shift a little bit to the X's and O's now, um, your offense, and you alluded to this a little bit, is heavy on the RPOs. And How did you guys end up getting to that point? Because you obviously haven't always done or been an RPO team. So how did you get there? And, and for someone who's never seen you guys play, how would you describe it to them? Well, I would describe us as uh, an up-tempo um, spread RPO offense. And we, when we first got here in 2009, we, we were still spread, but we'd come up to the line of scrimmage, and I'd find the technique that I wanted to run inside zone at. And so we would call inside zone, but a quarterback would end up checking the play, a lot of check-with-me stuff, getting us into the right calls. Um, and that was great for us, I mean, and, and we did well. Where my eyes opened and our, where our system came from is I had an opportunity, and that's one of the other key components and, and benefits of playing at the junior college or coaching at the junior college level is, you know, we have a lot of guys that do go on to four-year universities, and so these college coaches will open doors uh, wide open for you. And so we had an opportunity early on when Oregon was just becoming successful and they're, um, spread offense to go there. And I got to spend three or four days with Scott Frost um, and their whole entire uh, offensive staff. Then I was fortunate to go down to Missouri and spend some time with their staff down there uh, when they were, when they were rolling pretty good offensively. And so after that, um, we kind of stripped everything down and rebuilt it um, from the way we call things uh, from the tempo we operated at, um, and we put a system together that, A, I think is super, super simple. Um, and, 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 B, we roll it at such a high tempo, it gives us a, a great advantage. And we're not one of those teams or schools out there that say, oh, we're spread no huddle offense. You know, that this isn't a recruiting pitch. We live in, in controlled chaos, and our practices are chaos. We have 165 guys um, out there every single day practicing. And the amount of plays we get, the, the amount of, uh, of things that we do within our hour and a half period that we are lo- that that we use, I mean, we are flying around. Right? And I always tell people, this is not a recruiting pitch. This is what we are. This is who we are. Yes, it is chaotic at times, um, but that's the world we live in, and that's where we've been super successful. I tell the story back in 2012 when we won our national championship. 
you know, my left, my left tackle was 200 and, you know, 20 pounds. My left guard, um, you know, he was a bigger guy. My center was a bigger guy. My right guard, um, you know, was not, he was 235, 240 pounds. My, and my right tackle was cross-eyed and 250 pounds. <laughs> and we rolled guys up and it, it wasn't pretty in the first quarter, but from second quarter to third quarter, to fourth quarter, um, our tempo wore teams down. And I, I, I got to the point where, you know, I've made this comment before that I will never get away from the up-tempo offense. I think it helps offensive linemen tremendously, especially undersized guys. I think you, you see limited fronts from defenses and what they can do to you. Um, and at the end of the day, maybe if your offensive line is inferior to the guys you're playing against, um, you, you kind of have that, that advantage. And at some point in the game, if you can get some first downs and wear them down. And so um, the X and O's part was Oregon, Missouri. The tempo part was more Oregon. Um, and, and we broke down two kind of different blocking scheme systems and how they point and count things and kind of created our own. And from that point, um, it made things super easy for us, and, and we've been rolling since. Donnie, how would you describe your style as a play caller? Well, that's a great question. Um, I take what you give me. So if I run one back power and I get six yards, um, I'm going to run one back power again. Let's say I get five yards. I'm going to run one back power again. I do not drift away from the things that work or beat my head against the wall uh, where, you know, it looks pretty and, and, and it makes sense. But if not, if it's not working, I go to what works for us. And so um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a of a chance taker um, it's at certain points during the game. But for the most part, I'm just going to take what you give me uh, and I'm going to and I'm going to formation you. And, and put strain on, on certain players that uh, maybe, you know, you're weak, you're one of your weaker links uh, in the 11 guys that you out, have out there. And so, you know, for me, like I said, I, I've been known to run the same play uh, seven to eight times in a row. And our guys, and they get a little frustrated sometimes with it, but if we're clipping away forward uh, six, seven, eight yards of carry, you, you better believe it's coming again. Coach, you, you're an offensive lineman by trade. You played at the Division One level as an offensive lineman. You know, what do you enjoy most about coaching uh, that position, and how has it helped you now as you've transitioned to, to calling all the plays? I tell you what, I, uh, I don't think I could ever not coach offensive line. One, I think it's the, the best group in football. Um, I use, normally have uh, some special guys. It, 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 there's just a bond there that you people who've never coached the game and sat in an offensive line meeting um, wouldn't understand. I mean, it's it, it's just the dynamic words that describe it. Um, I, I couldn't ever imagine um, coaching the wide receivers or coaching the running backs. You know, I've had such a great experience coaching the offensive line. Um, and understanding my guys and their strengths and weaknesses. And so, you know, right now you ask about the, the, the play calling and how we kind of shape our offense uh, with our guys up front, you know, right now we're, we struggle a little bit. One, we got, you know, four um, major D one defensive linemen that we were, that we're having to block every single day in spring ball. And, and for us, I mean, it, it, we graduated all seven of our starters last year. So this, this is a, it's a tough spring for us. But I have an unbelievable group of guys 
they're tough. Uh, you know, we're getting better at finishing plays and, and straining and effort. And so really our offense has always been built on what can we do up front? Um, I'm not going to have long developing pass plays if we can't protect. Um, you know, if we're, if we're not road graders and we can't combo well, you know, maybe power schemes isn't the best and we move to a pen and pull. And so really our core of our offense uh, is designed around what we can do up front. Last year, I mean, we were massive. I had a left tackle go to TCU, a right tackle go to Florida, uh, a right guard go to SEMO, uh, you know, I had another guard go to Northwest Missouri State, uh, and our center was an All-American. And so we had the guys up front to line up and do whatever we wanted to do, and, and it showed. I mean, we led the, we led the country in rushing. Uh, we had a top three offense, and it's because we were able to combo a guy and take him five yards back and put him in the lap of the linebacker, or we were able to uh, run inside zone, get two double teams, and our back not have to make a, a cut until he was one yard past the line of scrimmage. I mean, but I've been on the opposite side of that where we can't move people, and we're more outside zone. We're running, we're cutting, we're pinning and pulling. Um, but our, our core offense, my core belief is, you know, we're going we're gonna to base our offense around the guys up front and, and what they can do. Just to kind of build on that a little bit, Coach Woods, you know, you have the number one ranked defensive end in the country for a junior college player, and you probably have four or five defensive linemen who are probably going to end up at the Division One level um, at some point. You know, how do you how do you go, you know, from an offensive side of things to practicing against that kind of um, – you know, talent and, and those kind of kids every day. Does that ever get frustrating for you? I mean, just the, the things that you have to do just in practice to prepare for the look that you're going to get. Yeah, every every Tuesday and Thursday morning now, about 6 a.m., I'm probably not the happiest guy out there because we uh, <laughs> we um, get to see the best, best competition. And if my guys are not on point, um, you know, we struggle a little bit. And so, honestly – I think our second uh, spring practice, I don't know if we got, a, a, I got to throw off. I mean, I, I, we took about 15 sacks. And so um, that is frustrating, but at the same time, it's a huge, it's a huge selling point for us. Um, I, I tell uh, offensive linemen all the time that are thinking about coming to Iowa Western, look, we're going to have the best defense line in the country. And we normally do year in, year out. And so you get to go against the absolute best in the country every single practice and, and that only makes us greater. And so we've always preached competition here and we're not going to see uh, Chester Graves. Okay. We're not going to see him at all this season besides in practice. And I got a great feeling that our tackle, especially if we're going to be young up front, especially outside um, that they're getting to see the best uh, throughout August. And that's just going to prepare us for, um, you know, for, for, for the rest of the season. And like, you know, it gets frustrating, but I always have to take a step back because, you know, as long as our guys are giving effort and, and they're straining, um, I'm in a pretty good mood. Because at the end of the day, if they're doing that, we're going to be successful. Um, you know, where I get upset and frustrated is when, you know, uh, our defense end, maybe he's beat you twice in a row. And now it's all of a sudden, you know, we kind of take a step back and we don't want to give great effort uh, because it's getting frustrating for you. That's, that's not a world that we live in here. Uh, if a kid is like that here and, and doesn't want to compete or doesn't want to strain, um, he's probably not going to see the field. And so, you know, I don't grade uh, as, as an offense, we don't grade them on technique or assignment here in the spring. 
we grade solely on effort and you get you either get a pass or a fail every single grade or every single play and the guys who are running to the ball the guys who are finishing blocks the guys who are giving that extra extra effort are usually ones who play for us here Coach, take us through a typical indie period with you and your offensive linemen. What are some of the drills and techniques you're emphasizing with your players? Every single day we're going to work um, our, our hand placement, but we kind of start um, lower body first with, with, with uh, the footwork stuff. So we're going to work a base block. We're going to work a control reach. We're going to work um, all of our combo double teams. We do that every single day. Um, we like I said, we kind of we work hard, but there's one day a week that we really work hard, and that's uh, Wednesday. We call that Workday Wednesday. So you can call any of my guys for the past nine years and ask them about Coach Woods' Workday Wednesday, and they they probably tell you uh, something that nobody wants to experience. But <laughs> we do Workday Wednesday is old school like fit and drive drills, you know combos. I make them combo a defensive lineman for you know, five or six yards, just over-exaggerate everything, and everything has to be exact. Uh, we we get to a certain point where we split and we start working. Uh, we go run game, indie, uh, run game, indie, and then pass game, indie. And so we do a ton of mirror dodge, a ton of hand strike. We, we try to make it really, really uncomfortable on Wednesdays. And, um, you know, our guys will hang, hang their hat on that on Saturdays when we need it. Um, we, we feel like we outwork um, a lot of the teams in the country, especially up front, um, you know, on, on, on Tuesdays and, and, and Wednesdays. And so, you know, really we start out working the lower body first, uh, working, working our feet in the run game, taking the proper steps, blocking movement. Um, but then we get into our combo phase, uh, you know, transition to some of our indie run game stuff, depending on what we need work on that week. Um, and then we and then we drop the run game and we head right into nothing but pass game stuff. And so we're working pass sets there, starting with the lower body again, then working our strikes. We're working. Um, we're going to work. We're going to take whatever those best three uh, moves that we're going to see from a defensive lineman that week, and we're going to work against that. Um, we're going to work the mirror dodge to get them gassed a little bit, and then we're going to go right to team. The thing we've done, I think, a great job with here and this starts from our head coach, is on Monday, so we play on Saturdays. Sundays, we're going to watch film and lift. Mondays is their entire day off. Like, we don't want to see them. Like, go be a college student. Don't come over here and do anything football-related. Yeah, maybe watch a little film on next week's opponent, but just stay away from football. We shut them down for football for a day. Tuesdays and Wednesdays are our work days, okay? And then we go to Thursday, which we call – um, no sweat Thursdays. And so our job and, our, and what we want our players to do is not break a sweat. It's all X and O's on Thursdays. Um, and it's hard from a timing standpoint when you're throwing balls. So our wide receivers do run around a little bit, but there's no contact that's made. On Fridays is when we actually will put shoulder pads and helmets back on. We will have a little bit of contact. Our quarterbacks and wide receivers are catching and throwing balls with their shoulder pads and helmets on. And we feel we get a little bit of a jump start and advantage um, opposed to a team who just does a walkthrough on, on, on Friday. You know, they've shut it down since Thursday. Um, and for us, we crank it back up on Friday. And, you know, you could say that they're at a walk on Friday. We're at a jog. and They're on a jog on Saturday. And we're at a sprint because we're warmed up, ready to go. 
um, from a muscle memory standpoint. Coach, you've talked about your rushing game and, and the statistics you guys have put up, and they, they've been very impressive. Um, do, do your linemen predicate what kind of scheme you're going to run, or do you employ a, a tried-and-true run scheme that you really like to hang your hat on? You know, we blocked really three different schemes. Uh, we blocked zone, we blocked power, uh, and we blocked some sort of pin-and-pull scheme. Um now, depending on what we have up front is dependent on where we dip more into those three phases. But for us, um, from day one, it is inside zone. It's some sort of power scheme. It's some sort of pin and pull. And we find kind of where our guys, where we're at best at, where our back kind of feel best at. Um, and that's what we'll hang our hat on. But, yeah, it, it is very, very um, dependent on what, we have up front um but we'll but we'll train them up on all three of those phases and and um see what one kind of works the best for us kind of to piggyback off that a little bit coach you know do you use your quarterback in the run game a lot i know a year ago you had kai loxley who was very very good at running the football you know four or five years ago you had jake waters again he was kind of a deceptive dual threat guy um do you do you always try to get a quarterback that can run or are you okay with the pocket quarterback you know, we're okay with the pocket quarterback, but I think we get limited a little bit in what we can do. Um, anytime I think that we you ha- we have a mobile quarterback, uh, we're pretty lethal. Um, now, just like with Kai, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna run Kai 20 times a game, um, but there's gonna be some key situations where his number is called, and so I think there was at least um, you know 15 times this season when it was a designed quarterback run uh, where we broke one for 20 or more yards. And so I think from the standpoint of, uh, you know, I want to protect our, our quarterbacks so we're not going to call it all the time. Um, we can get away with the pocket passer. We've done that before. But our offense is, is truly lethal uh, when we have a mobile guy. And when things break down, Jake Waters could get us out of a bind with his feet. Kai Loxley could get us out of a bind with his feet. And I think it puts a lot of strain. Our defense has been lights out since, you know, since 2009. And he'll tell you, you know, what puts the most strain on them is when they have everything covered up, they get a good rush. Um, they maybe miss a sack and the quarterback takes off for 15 yards. I mean, it's just, it's demoralizing. And so, our offense is, is, is built on a guy who can run. And, and uh, we have one of those guys now. He's not Kyle Oxley. He's probably not Jake Waters in terms of the run game right now. Um, but our guys have to be a little bit mobile, and they have to be able to pull zone read, uh, run a little bit of quarterback power. Um, they got to be able to do those things. Coach, pass protection-wise, how do you set your pass protection and how many schemes do you typically carry with you into a game? It's real simple for our guys. We have um, essentially a – six-man pro and a five-man protection uh we have one turn back scheme um and really that's it we have a gap protection but we hardly we hardly call it um so from the from the five-man standpoint uh we have a three-man uh three-man slide and uh you know my 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 backside guard and tackle uh will be on the island and so you know it's really the same thing with with our six-man protection, our back's going to check one to two. We're going to take the mic point on the zone side um, and go from there. And then really, you know, the the, the turnback stuff, 
hasn't been a huge part of us. Um, but we have a few, uh, you know, pass plays that we like running in and out of. And that's really it. Now, play action, we probably have three different types of play action protection. The same deal there. It's more, it's more of a six-man protection than anything. Um, and then we have one, uh, I guess it's the old school waggle protection where the backside guards pull in. Uh, we get a ton of shuffle squeeze at, at a defensive end because we're such a zone-heavy team. And so we'll pull our backside guard, log the end, you know, fake the back across and, and boot the quarterback out of that one. So we have a couple, um, but they're all really it, – it's a, a majority of it is six-man protection. Uh, we keep it simple for the guys up front. They set the mic point. That's where they're working to a lot of the times. Um, and that allows us to play fast. Coach, if you had to install your offense in one day uh, and you could take three run plays with you and three pass plays, what would you install? And, and give us a little more insight on why you would pick those three – run plays and three pass plays. Yep. So um, I'll, I'll even kind of go a little bit more in depth. We'll, we'll take, uh, if, if you guys can give me a few more options here, I'll take <laughs> three three run plays with three RPO tags and then three pass plays. So uh, the run game that we would take, okay, I would take inside zone. All right. I would take um, essentially inside zone, with our backside guys being big on big, okay? So there's my second uh, running game call. My third one would be one back power. Um, from that point, uh, we'll have three RPOs. We'll have a bubble. We'll have a stick concept, um, and we can kind of run a two-by-two two stick concept or a three-by-one stick concept. Um we would we would also run uh, a little bit of that stuff off of one back power. The three pass concepts. I would take one play action. All right, and this one's kind of made a lot of uh, hay over the years with Oregon and some different teams, and you'll see a lot more teams running it running it now. Um, but essentially, we have um, you know our our six man protection uh, play action. We have bubble fade on the backside. We have an over concept. Um, coming back across the field we have our outside guy it's usually two by two set our outside guy um, is going to run a either uh, post uh, dig or a post curl and we give him the options depending on where that corner's alignment is um, post snap and then our back is going to um, swing um, to the play side there so you know uh, without drawing it up obviously <clears throat> it is a play that every single one of our guys can touch the ball on. Um, if the corner jumps the bubble, we're going to hit the whole shot fade. Okay. Um, if, if that safety gets over top in a too high look, we're probably going to take the over route. Okay. If the, we feel like the over route's not there, we can come to the post curl. If the post curl's looking a little shady, we're going to throw it to the back. So it's one of those play action plays where we almost have an answer for everything. Hopefully your protection holds up. Um, worst case scenario, you throw it to your back and they're never covering him. So we run that one. That's probably the bulk of our, our play action. Um, and then we have some little adjustments off of that from, a, from the quick game standpoint, we've always ran, uh, a snag concept with, you know, double slants on the backside. And so that's always been a staple of our offense. That would probably be a quick game. Um, the, the third one, the drop back, um, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm, we're a big uh, uh, vertical team. And so, you know, for us, it would be four verticals. 
we we let we like to switch our guys. So with both wide receivers crossing, our outside guy is going to read this. If it's a too high safety look, he has an option to take it skinny or, or dive it in. And so really those three plays, um, easy to coach, uh, what we call a ton of the time. Um, and then the run game stuff is, is, is pretty simple for us. But those would be those would be my six calls that I'm taking to a game. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, uh, as long as you could give me three, three uh, RPO tags. Absolutely, Coach. Uh, shifting gears here a little bit, uh, how difficult is it to recruit at Iowa Western and maybe at the community college level in general from your experience? You know, it's, it's tough because I think these days um, high school coaches sometimes aren't brutally honest with the athletes uh, and with their recruiting. Now, we run into it all the time where the coach is, and it's great. Um, with us, it's a short window because – we, we have to wait for a lot of the guys, let's say an out-of-state player, uh, we have to wait for him to kind of decide, uh, you know, is he going to make it academically? Is he not going to make it academically? And so everybody, they, they hate crushing the kids' uh, dreams and saying, hey, you may have to go to the JUCO route. And so really from an out-of-state standpoint, it's really a 60-day window um, that we recruit an out-of-stater. The in-state uh, for us and the bordering states is, is, is a ton of fun. Um, we, there's a ton of offensive linemen, um, big body guys that get overlooked that we love to take. Um, what's nice at Iowa Western is we have great support from our administration and our president, uh, Dr. Kenny and our athletic director, Jeremy Capo. And so we have a $9 million uh, football facility here. Um, they have unlimited meals. It, 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 this is as far away from Juco, you know, as you can get, um, because we have, such a great setup here at Iowa Western. And so I think it's, it's fairly easy to recruit here. Um, we can be a little bit more selective on the guys we bring in, but the standpoint from the timing of the out-of-staters, I mean, it's a short, short recruiting season for us. Um, we fill up on signing day. I mean, we, we have 165, 175 guys on our roster in that first Wednesday in February. I mean, we're done. Um, but it, I think – just from I've always now I haven't been any place else, and so I, it, it's tough for me to make that call. But this is probably one of the easiest places uh, to recruit talent to in the country. That's great stuff, Coach. Coach, is your phone ringing a lot this time of year too with recruiting guys who maybe didn't qualify, um, guys who maybe had a change of heart late? Uh, there's been coaching changes. Do you guys get a lot of that? You know, this time of year. You know, my my phone rings for two reasons right now. A, it's either uh, well, I should say three reasons. A, it's either um, a high school kid that's wanting to start the recruiting process right now for for the 2018 class, and you know it's tough for me at that point. It's, hey, I you know I only have a certain amount of helmets and a certain amount of lockers, um, and so you know majority of those phone calls end with me saying, hey, you know take a look at this junior college or you know give this guy a call um, because we're done recruiting wise. I mean it has to be a special, special, special uh, player. Uh, for us to take them right now. You know, the second phone call I get right now is the University of Nebraska or, or Minnesota or Iowa um, trying to get on the, the December grads of the 2019 signing class for us. And and really that's, that's the bulk of it right now because they're you know, obviously in their spring evaluation period. And so we get a ton of calls on, you know, wondering who's going to be our next set of guys that, that move on. And, and really my, my third one is just my wife telling me to get home for dinner. So those, 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 
those are the three ones that uh, I normally get. Coach, what do you think the future has in store for you, and what are some of your career goals moving forward? You know what? I I love it here. I I I, I bleed blue. Um, my work my wife works here. I've had some other opportunities. You know, I just got called the other day on an opportunity, and and you know, my wife looked at me crazy and she said, "You would leave Iowa Western," and I'm like. You're right. I don't know if I would ever, I ever would at this point because it's such a great place. There's great people here. The town is great. Um, and, and at the end of the day, you know, my, my wife works here at school. She, she bleeds blue. Um, it'd be, it, it'd be tough uh, for me to leave Iowa Western. Um, now, obviously everybody kind of has their price and, and, you know, I think early on in my profession, I thought that, you know, the ultimate goal, I was the coach division one football and the best thing about being at the JC level and especially a higher, highly recruited JC is you get to hear a ton of stories from coaches about their lives. And, and there's some, you know, that, that they're pretty miserable. Um, and you, you wouldn't think that you think, Hey man, all division one coaches love where they're at and love who they work for. And it's, it is, and that's not the case. And so I've been extremely fortunate and blessed in my life to work for coach Strohmeyer I've been extremely uh, fortunate to work for uh, Iowa Western and, and it would really, really have to be the ideal situation um, with the ideal head coach uh, for me to make a, for me to make a change because this is a, this is a special place. Um, you know, recruits probably think I won't tell them that, that it's just a recruiting pitch, but it's not. I mean, it, it is a truly, truly special place with great people. That's great stuff, coach. To kind of switch completely away from football now, um we we, it's just kind of a thing we do and we've asked all our guests so far on the podcast this so uh if you had a walk-up song if you were in the in the wwe or you were a professional baseball player uh what would your walk-up song be and you got to tell us why oh man um that's a great great question (laughs) um you know what uh i've always been a uh, uh man you know what i would have to probably go with garth brooks Calling Baton Rouge, um, one, I think that song just gets you going. <laughs> Two, um, you know, I've, I've, I've happened to have a few sodas in my day and, and probably sang that a couple times karaoke-wise. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but that would probably be the one. Calling Baton Rouge, Garth Brooks. That is awesome, Coach. Well, we appreciate uh, everything you gave us today, and um, thank you very much for your time. Hey, not a problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. If you found this podcast helpful, please take the time to go and leave a review, either on Stitcher or iTunes, and let us know what you think.